Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings for today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our reading of the Passion Story begins with Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 65. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, where their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. So when he came... He went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent. And did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. 
Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! The guards also took him over and beat him. We continue the passion story with Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 47. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For I realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again, Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. Pilate asked them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him, provided for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph brought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This Sunday we make our journey to the cross. We have been discussing this all throughout Lent, getting closer and closer to this moment, reflecting on the promises of Lent. And now we come to the cross. And I think it's important that we read this story, that we hear these words, and that we let it sink in. Because this is the moment It's when the sacrifice is made out of love so that we would understand that we are loved. It's in this moment that we see a friend give his life. It's in this moment that we see somebody give himself up in our place. In Mark's telling of the passion, the humanity of Christ shows through. That when Christ goes to pray, he's willing to ask that if there's another way, let that be done. Because no matter how strong his spirit was, the flesh was unsure. But again, only if it was God's will, we get those last words on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think I can relate to this account more than any other account of the crucifixion. And I think it's because the humanity of Christ is on full display. Because we get human fears and human emotions. The worry of being abandoned. The plea that if God has another way, make it so. 
And I find it comforting. One might wonder how is any of that comforting? But I find it comforting because it tells me that it's okay for me to have worries. It's okay for me to be concerned. That I can look to Christ and say, you know what, if he could ask questions and he could worry, so can I. But it also shows me that even in those moments, he put his trust in God. That no matter what he might have wanted to have happen, he trusted that God's plan was the right one. That Christ believed in what he was doing. That though it's often such a contrast, we see the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and then the arrest and crucifixion of Christ. But it's also the playing out of the same story because in it is always Christ triumphant. Because even in sorrow, there is triumph. Because even in death, there is resurrection. And now we wait. We wait because now we reflect on Christ crucified. We reflect on the sacrifice made. And I encourage you in this time to think about what that means to you personally, that a friend would face death to save you. And I encourage you to reflect on it much in the same way that the early disciples would have been reflecting on it then. Not sneaking ahead, not knowing what comes next. But as part of our journey to the cross, let us pause here at the foot of the cross to see Jesus beaten and humiliated in our place for our sake. Because of love. Let us pause for a moment before we celebrate the joy of the resurrection, but to reflect on the power of sacrifice. The great impact that this action made. That Jesus gave himself up so that we may live. That is where my reflections will be over this next week. Letting it sink in how powerful an action it is by itself. Now one might say that if we downplay the resurrection, then surely we're missing the point. But I would say the opposite. The resurrection is our celebration. The resurrection is a promise. But I don't want to overlook the promise of salvation, forgiveness, and redemption that we see borne out on the cross. Instead, I find that one can reflect on that sacrifice by itself. On that moment and everything that led up to it. A man declared king. God's chosen. God's son. who enters into Jerusalem triumphant to cheering crowds. Who lets himself be handed over, humiliated and beaten for us. 
I think it gives us a greater depth of understanding and a greater appreciation for all that comes after. But I don't want to run by this moment because this is the moment that all was put to the test. That Christ's obedience, including death on a cross, was a sign of love to both God and to us. An act of sacrifice and an act of kindness, an act of mercy. And I believe that when we let that impress itself on our hearts, that we know the deep love that Christ has for us, the love that Christ wants us to have for each other. And it's hard not to be moved by that action, not to be moved by the few words spoken. So here our journey to the cross ends. Here at the foot of the cross, we pause to reflect. We let it weigh on our hearts. We let sorrow remind us of love because often our greatest sorrows are born of love. We think about all that's been given so that we may live. As we lay Christ in the tomb, we think about the love and the care, the sacrifice, the hardship faced on our behalf. And we let it dwell within us, that our hearts may be even more ready, prepared for joy. But not yet. Because we need to remember the cost of discipleship. We remember what love was willing to bear. And in our journey to the cross, bearing witness to Christ crucified, we reflect on that love still being with us today.